Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. It's, uh, it's a real privilege to be here, and I've, I've, it's kind of sat heavily on my shoulders. I've known this is coming for two or three months, and I've really gone after the Lord for something uh, for us this morning. So um, hopefully that will, will bear fruit. Um, obviously, I'm talking on the, the general topic of, of prayer. Um, and I'm going to jump around the Bible a bit this morning. So if you, if you like to follow, you'll need to be quite athletic and listen fast because um, I'm, I'm going to jump around. But I want to start with a story about something that happened to me uh, about 25 years ago. Um, I was a youngish outdoor education instructor. I worked for people like Outward Bound. And I was working in Essex, but I was travelling north to run specialist courses and my career was flourishing. And I got a chest infection. And being young and foolish, I didn't stop to look after myself. And I got iller and iller and iller. And I drove home one Friday night. My housemate, Tim, was away. He'd left the house for the weekend. And I was really ill. I had a temperature of 102 or 103. And I simply walked through the front door, went upstairs, noticed that Tim had done the laundry and hung it on the handrail on the very steep Victorian staircase, took off all my clothes, this is a very important point in the story, took off all my clothes and went to bed. And in the morning I woke up feeling terrible and of course I needed to go to the toilet. So I put my dressing gown on, went to the top of the stairs and stepped and I slipped. And I went down this staircase like a raging train. And I I just gathered speed down this really fast, really steep staircase. And as I went, the duvet cover that I think I'd stepped on came with me. And then a pair of underpants that Tim had put on the railing came with me. And I, I was gathering laundry as I accelerated down the stairs. Unfortunately, due to the steepness of the staircase and the nylon carpet, my dressing gown started to come up. And um, I, I checked the vocabulary with Sim here. My backside, which I understand is an allowable term, became exposed to nylon carpet, at which point I accelerated even faster. So basically I was going down this staircase, smacking my head on every step, burning my backside on the nylon carpet and going ow, 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 as I went down in my empty house. Now, unfortunately, the moron of a Victorian that had designed this staircase had put a right angle in it two-thirds of the way down. So I smashed into the wall, which I thought was going to stop me, but it didn't, and I was going really fast by this stage. So I continued down the last few steps with my ankles smashed, my backside burning on the carpet, and my head smacking on the stairs, still going ow, 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 ow. And at the bottom of the staircase, there was a door. And very unfortunately, the door was shut. So I smashed into the door with my full 11 and a half, very fit outdoor education, 11 and a half stone, burst the latch and shot across the carpet. And I made about a metre across the carpet, just going, ow, ow, that really hurt, with a temperature of 102 or 103 in my empty house, as I thought. And then I found that I was not alone. And this man who I thought I should know was in my empty house, he thought. 
where there was this sudden bang, ow, 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 bang, bang, crash, and a naked body trailing underpants and duvet cover shot across the floor beside him. Why am I telling you this story? Because I think there's a risk for a lot of us that we'll enter heaven a bit like that. An incident, an illness, old age, whatever it is, we'll slide into heaven and we'll be going, uh, I think I should know you, but I'm not quite sure. And I want to talk this morning about the processes that perhaps we can go into to make sure that does not happen. We had the floorboards up in my Victorian house with no staircase this week. And under the floorboards, I found a stash of coins. Very exciting. So it's quite heavy, but it's uh, absolutely full of crowns, half crowns, stuff like that. And this morning, I noticed there was an envelope of notes in the bottom. None of it has any financial value. And I was, of course, a little bit excited. And I was going through the notes, one-pound notes, and I haven't seen one of these in in decades. Uh, Ten-shilling notes, remember those? And I just felt the Lord say, your faith is spent currency in heaven, David. You can't spend it in heaven. You have to spend it now. So, I've got three foundations to to this talk that I want to skip through. And the first is in Mark uh, 2, if we could have that slide, please, Harry. Um, In Jesus' day, fasting was considered a normal religious process, and I'm going to come back to fasting later in the talk. Once, when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And we skip a bit. Oh, come on, it was funnier than that. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Jesus is introducing the concept, as we know, of the new believer, the born-again believer, the new wineskin, capable of hosting an ever-increasing amount of the Holy Spirit. It responds to the wine differently to the old human being. It's a new human being. And this is the route by which we get to know his character and ultimately get to know and encounter Jesus. He's taught his disciples to pray at the beginning of his ministry, and he said they'd fast later. And I just want to make the point that fasting was a normal religious routine which Jesus commended, and he said his disciples would fast. Uh, Slide, please, Harry. So my second foundation um, is a story about an atheist who gets invited to a healing service by a Christian that he knows. So they go to the service, and they sit in the back row, and they do what you do in a church with a healing service. You know, they sing songs they don't know, pitched too high to sing, and all that kind of stuff. And the atheist is really unimpressed. And halfway through the service, he says to his friend, look, if you don't mind, um, this is not for me. I'm going to go to the pub. Come and meet me in the pub afterwards. 
So the Christian's disappointed. But he meets the atheist in the pub afterwards. And he says, so why didn't you like it? And the atheist said, well, the music was okay, I suppose. I couldn't sing the songs. But he said, for goodness sake, the whole concept of healing, it's rubbish. Even that woman in the wheelchair got up and walked out. (laughs) You see, what we bring into prayer affects what we take out of prayer. What we bring into worship affects what we take out of worship. And Moses is a great example of taking the right things into prayer. Now, if you read Exodus, Moses loved to be in God's presence. But you can see that God puzzled him. Moses didn't have the scriptures. He didn't have the Bible. And he was often puzzled by God. Uh, Slide, please, Harry. Whenever Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil over his face until he came out again. Then he'd give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. And as in the transfiguration in Luke 9, we're supposed to see that prayer transforms us as we spend time in God's presence. Unlike the atheist, we should be entering prayer with high expectation, with high faith. We should be spending our faith in prayer now. Now is the time to do it. That's my second foundation. My first is um, the idea of new wineskins. And the second is spending our, our faith, entering prayer with high expectation. And then the third one, slide please, Harry. This is um, an excerpt from Psalm 23. It's the Lord is my shepherd psalm. I imagine everybody in here knows the Lord is my shepherd. It's a beautiful psalm. And in the middle of it, there's a very strange verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Skip a bit. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I've always read that and thought, really? That's weird. Why would the Lord prepare a feast for us in the presence of our enemies? That's a very strange thing to do. If we go to Genesis chapter 3, the Lord placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we think, when we read that story, that the Garden of Eden seems a bit like heaven. It's all perfect and lovely. What we forget is that Satan had access to the Garden. You see, we were designed for conflict. The Lord didn't put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and everything was perfect and there was no challenge. Adam and Eve were designed to take on Satan and ignore him, put him down. They were designed to do what it took to defeat him. And they flunked it. We flunked it. So fasting involves a degree of conflict with yourself, your flesh, your human nature. Fasting trains us for conflicts we were designed to win. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's my third foundation. The new wineskin, capable of hosting the Holy Spirit. The fact that seeking his face transforms mine. And the idea that we should expect conflict, it's normal. It's in our design as Christians to deal with conflict. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Now, um, when I was about 45... Somebody asked me a question that rocked me right back. They said, I can't remember the context, but they said, David, if you died tonight, would your life be enough? 
I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, have you had enough adventures? Have you had enough experiences? Have you, have you encountered God enough? Have you prayed enough? Are you satisfied with where your life was at? And I was so horrified by the question, or by what I was feeling inside in response to the question, that I think I avoided answering the question. Because what was echoing in my mind was, I have not cracked prayer at all. So I'd been a, a sincere Christian, really trying to live out my faith, working for a Christian charity for 20 odd years. And I hadn't cracked prayer. And it rocked me. And the reason I hadn't cracked prayer is I kept putting it off. Because it was too hard. It was too difficult. I couldn't see my way through it. So, oh, I must do that. You know, I'll do it after the summer. I'll do it in the autumn, whatever. I put it off. And I want to ask you that question today. Will you become intentional in seeking God's face I mean, by intentional, I mean deliberately, actively engaged with God, as he is intentional towards you. So having asked you that, let's have a, a very brief look at fasting. Um, slide, please, Harry. And that, this is where I'm going to start to skip quickly. Um, Isaiah 58. This is where God speaks through religious methodical fasting which is done for the sake of it and says no this is what it looks like when you fast is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood So this is God saying, this is the kind of fasting I choose for you. This passage is about making the right space for the right stuff in your life and intentionally turning away from the wrong stuff. This passage talks about an attitude to life which draws the attention of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I really want to draw the attention of the Holy Spirit. I really want to draw his eyes. Slide, please, Harry. Oh, and again, thanks. So, how do we fast? Well, we can fast from things. We can fast for things. So, fasting from things. I'd like to suggest fasting from attitudes is a good exercise. So, Fasting from anger. Whenever you want to express anger, pray instead. Fasting from negativity or criticising, pray for the person instead. I find that really hard. It's a very interesting exercise. Do you try that for a day if you've never tried it? It's really hard. We can fast from actions. Busyness. I don't believe that human beings were designed by God to be as busy as we now are. I just don't believe it. And I think we have to make space and be intentionally different. Gambling, screens. What does that look like? For me, day at work, I'm feeling tired, I come in, have tea, and I might, well, crash on the settee, turn on the television and flick moronically through the channels until I find something that vaguely interests me. 
And in the last five or six years, my intentional approach to change that has been not to turn television on. I'm not talking about every night, but often. Open my Bible and recreationally read the Bible. Read the Bible for fun. And what that means is, I read the bits I like, because that's fun. But funny old thing, when you start reading ten chapters of Exodus and find you're fascinated by it, then you go into numbers to see what Moses did next. And I found that, that that's been one of my real fasting things in the last few years. My knowledge and understanding of the Bible has been transformed just by not turning the television on and opening my Bible instead. And other people have started to notice me doing it, and they've started to do the same thing. It's amazingly powerful. And the third area, we can fast from necessities, and we find this really difficult. Coffee, alcohol, food. Now, I have great difficulty medically fasting from food because my blood sugar goes through the floor if I don't eat every hour, it feels like. Um, But there's all sorts of ways, if you struggle to fast from food, you can start gently. Miss breakfast, just have fruit for breakfast, whatever. Some people on the ministry team, the prayer ministry team, fast before church or or just have something very small before church to focus and be intentional. I can see several people nodding around the room who I know do that. 40-day fasts are perfectly normal for a committed Christian. I know several people that have done them. It would kill me, I think. I'm built like a stick insect. But it's perfectly feasible to intentionally go after God's face for a long period of time without food. What works for me is sleep, actually. So I'll go to an all-night worship event or a long evening worship event, and I replace sleep, which is my favourite activity, with worship. And on the all-night ones, I find just before dawn, very often, God speaks. I don't know why, but I've had some massive encounters, relatively massive encounters with God in the, the small hours before dawn. And then we can fast four things. Solutions to life issues, healing from illness, conflict, a crisis of some sort. It brings an edge to our prayers because we're coming into prayer, seeking God for something. We've given something up. It's cost us something. It really gives us an edge. And again, it draws his attention because we are intentional towards him as he always is towards us. And if you read Matthew 17, it's very clear that a habit of Prayer and fasting gives authority over the whole demonic realm and everything that goes with that. And without it, we don't have that authority. I'd like to flag up a couple of resources here. There are lots of quite brilliant talks on fasting on YouTube. Obviously, with YouTube, you need to be careful what you're watching. Check the source. What type of church is this? What's the background of the teacher? That's easy to do these days. But I read the, um, the stuff on the toolshed section of the prayer course this week, and there's an absolutely fabulous online, very short article on, on fasting on the toolshed stuff. I think it's the best short article I've ever read on the topic, so I, I really recommend that to you. Uh, slide, please, Harry. So, when we're praying, seeking God's hand... Seeking a solution to a problem is good. But very few people can pray month in, month out, seeking God's hand. We need to seek his face, his presence. And people say to me, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, if God does something for you, 
he reaches out his hand and he touches your life. If you look up a bit and lean in a bit, you'll find his face just above his hand. And it drives me nuts that so many of us pray, asking for a solution. We get a solution, we're supposed to step in and find his face at that point. It's always there. Because what he actually wants is for us to seek him in prayer and encounter him as a result. See, the question isn't, can I access God? How accessible is God? The question is, how hungry am I? How much space am I prepared to make for God to fill? How much will you give to encounter God? Would you give your child? Of course you wouldn't. He did to encounter you. Ultimately, we, we all think, I most of the time think that God's part of my story, you know, my life goes on and, and I'm part of it. You know, he, he's a bit of my life. It's not like that. We're part of his story. He chose us, he won us, he saved us. And ultimately, at the end of time, at the end of everything, we're part of his story. We're Jesus' reward for what he went through. That's extraordinary. That's the reward that's set before him. You. So, what does a, a, an approach of making space for God, intentionally putting time aside for him on a daily basis, look like? What does it result in? And I really struggled with how to, how to um, unpack this a bit. So I'm going to read you something that I wrote a few weeks ago. Because I think... What I want to do here is, is briefly paint a picture, and then I'm going to stop, of what this looks like and feels like. Um, and Beth, I've asked Beth to sing a, a song for us, and I want us to just have a, a time of reflection. Now, I write quite a lot when I'm praying, and please understand, I'm not in any shape or form reading this to impress anybody. I don't think it will impress anybody, but I, I want to paint a picture of what this can look like. And I was, I was in fear... Uh, in, in financial fear, if I'm honest. And I was really struggling day in, day out, going, God, you have got to do something. My business is just dying on its feet. What are you doing? And I was praying in fear, which, of course, is a complete waste of time. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to encourage myself here. And my friend Mark said to me, David, you're listening to the wrong voices. He really told me off. He said, you've got to start to listen to the one voice, not all the other voices. And I, I wrote, God, who are you to me? What do you, what do you look like to me at the moment? And I wrote, you're God who stood by me. God not embarrassed by me. God who invests in me. You're the Lord who travels with me. The Lord who spends time with me. You're God who beckons me. God who whispers in my spirit. God who made me from stardust made me from stars. God who plans for me. God who provides for me. You have been the Lord who sees me, our Roy. You are God who turns to face me. God who waits for me. God who shows himself to me. You are God who takes my breath away. God who crowns me. God who surprises me. 
You are God in his presence, I cannot breathe properly. God under his covering, my heart will not beat properly. God who gently overwhelms me. You are the Lord, my protector, the Lord with vision for me, the Lord who stretches me, the Lord who is ambitious for my life. You are God who shows yourself. You're God who laughs with me, God who teases me, God who invites me, God who outguns me, God who dances and plays with me, God who is vulnerable, God who trusts me, God who watches me, God who tests me. You're God who does not force me and does not demand more than I have. What was I doing? I was just writing my history. Writing the impact of my experiences of going through the challenges that I was designed to face. And writing them down and encouraging myself. And if we make space for exercises like that, it transforms us. It's very, very powerful. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.